Like, I don't want to spend our money on just mediocre things. But we can say no so that we can say yes to Alaskan cruises and, you know, other trips to the Caribbean and, and different things like that. You're listening to the Winning to Wealth podcast, where you'll hear real stories from real people who are on the path to building real wealth. These stories will show you how to earn more money, pay off debt, start investing, and make better money choices so you can build wealth for your future. Now, here's your host, Michael Lacey. What's up, what's up, what's up, teammates? This is episode 35 of the Winning to Wealth podcast. And on this episode, we're talking about how you can go from a paycheck to paycheck lifestyle to a lifestyle of freedom. And to help me with that, I brought on the one and only Kelly Smith from freedominabudget.com. Kelly went from having her car repossessed at one point to recently being able to afford to buy her dream car with cash, cold, hard cash. And she's accomplished a lot more than that as well. So I'm definitely excited for you guys to hear more about Kelly's journey. Like I really am. But if you're a new listener of the show, first, I want to say welcome and thank you for tuning in. I also want to ask that if you do enjoy this episode, that you continue to support the show and you can do that in two simple and free ways. The first way that you can show support is to just simply reach up and tap the subscribe button wherever you're listening to this. Subscribing just keeps you in the loop and lets you know when a new interview has been recorded and released. Now, the next thing you can do if you enjoy this particular episode with Kelly is to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. What this does is let other listeners know that, hey, this show right here puts out really good financial advice. And with that, we can help more people create better money habits. But enough of that. Let's jump right on in with my interview with Kelly, where she describes how she found freedom in a budget. So, Kelly, thank you so much for coming through and deciding to share your story with us today. I want to start off by asking just is budgeting something that you've always taken serious or was that just the result of like a a life experience or something like that? First, thank you for having me. This is such a pleasure. I'm excited. It's going to be a fun, fun chat. Um, Budgeting was not something that I have always done. I used to be terrible with money and never budgeted in my life until I kind of hit rock bottom and then realized, all right, we gotta we gotta change some things going on in our life and make some huge huge changes. And that's when when I started getting really serious. And I was like zero to sixty in all of two minutes. <laughs> so okay, zero to sixty in two minutes. So it it just kind of came naturally for you, right? Is no, you're saying? no, no. <laughs> it didn't come natural. No, there was still a lot of learning there, but I was all in. Like, even though I was still making mistakes with budgeting, even though I still had so much to learn, but I was 100% committed. I wasn't like, just like dipping my toe in the water. It was, all right, we're going to cut this. We're going to cut that. We're not going out to eat. We're, we're getting hardcore. We're tracking every single penny that I'm spending, that type of thing. Okay. So what were you noticing about your lifestyle at that time that made you feel like, all right, I've got to get it together? I had my car repossessed. I was in default to my loans. I had my lights turned off several times, just poor money management. Yes, there was a little bit of an income level issue where I wasn't, you know, bringing in much. I was making 30 to 35,000 a year living in South Florida, which is a very high cost of living area and part of the country. But 
it was a lot of behavior. I didn't know what was coming in, what was going out. If I had $20 in my pocket, that was $20 to spend. I never thought of saving or anything like that. Okay. So you hit this point where you say, you know what, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to change the way I'm doing things. I'm going to live on a budget. Mm-hmm. And so you mentioned that you had a couple hiccups and, and it took some time getting used to. So what were some of those early struggles? The early struggles was just saying no to friends when they wanted to, you know, go camping and go on an adventure, go to Disney World, because we're only a couple hours from Disney and do, you know, different things, going out to eat, all of that stuff and having to change my lifestyle while at the same time not get made fun of, or if I did get made fun of, of, you know, just being like, well, this is a decision I made and this is what I'm doing. And having to say no to shopping, having to say no to eating out. And there was times where I was tired and didn't want to cook dinner and wanted to just stop in the drive-thru and having to make those hard decisions of the like, we have food at home, talk with myself every night. So I'm glad that you touched on the fact that like sometimes your friends just weren't understanding. Mm -hmm. They weren't accepting of what you were doing. That was something that we kind of went through on our debt-free journey where we were really hyper-focused on paying off our debt. Mm -hmm. And it was like, you know, people thought we were broke and like really going through a hard time. And it's like, no, we're actually making the smartest money decisions we've ever made. So Mm -hmm. how did, how did you handle that time period of like people just misunderstanding what you were doing? Well, at that time I was broke, but like now, (laughs) let's be honest, I was back then, but now we still get that now, you know, like Jamie's coworkers are always asking me, is that in the budget? Did your wife allow you to spend that? And it's like, you know, we don't want to be living paycheck to paycheck for the rest of our lives. We're not living paycheck to paycheck now. We're able to do amazing things. Like I think it was my husband's boss at one time last year was like, you just went on an Alaskan cruise and you just bought a house and you're getting impact windows for your house. How are you able to afford all this stuff? Like what's going on? And he's like, man, my wife is good at that budget. And it was just really (laughs) realizing of, you know, when you are, making smart money moves, you can do crazy things with your money. And we wanted to live that lifestyle where we want to spend things on that we really care about and mean a lot to us. So we cut out the things that don't. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm glad you brought up your husband there. I mean, it sounds like he's pretty supportive of the journey that you guys on I mean, is that a safe assumption to make? He has his days. He has his days. He's supportive. (laughs) He knows at the end of the day that like, I have our best interests at heart and I have our goals at the end of the day, like in mind of, but there's so many times where he's like, I just want to enjoy our life now. Like, why do we have to save so much for retirement? Yeah. Like retirement's important and we want to retire early, but I really want to live my life now and I want to enjoy today. And it's not only about the future. So it's a big balance between me kind of loosening up and him tightening up on the spending as well. Yeah. So you just gave me like a lot of different things that we're going to touch on. <laughs> let's just, do it that, all. Like two sentences, right? Like <laughs> so first thing, let's talk about that budgeting process now mm-hmm. that you guys are married, right? So like, you know, you go from, it's just me, I'm by myself, I'm solo, I can spend what I want, I can prioritize what I want, to now there's two people in this process. Mm-hmm. So what's that process been like since you've gotten married? Yeah. And I... Definitely going to touch on that, but I'm 
I want to say that I'm really glad you worded it in that way because I get so many people that are like, but Kelly, you have two incomes. So obviously you're able to save this, all this money and two incomes and blah, blah, blah. Yes, I understand that. But lifestyle creep is real. Number one. Number mm-hmm. two, before I only had to say no to myself and I had turned, I was a spender, but I turned into a saver. So now I have to say no to my, my spending habits personally, and his spending habits, which his spending habits are 10 times more than mine. So it's, it is hard because yeah, we do have two incomes, but we have to, you know, kind of control each other and give each other some grace as well. And in that rant, I totally forgot your question. No, you're good. You're good. I I just wanted to know just kind of what the the budgeting process has been like for you guys. So I was always, I was budgeting when we started dating um, or maybe, maybe six months into us dating, I started budgeting and we had separate finances up until we got married. And then when we got married, we combined finances and I took over, I kept on doing the budget. So I do the budget for us still. And then everyone's all we'll have budget meetings, kind of realign, talk about our goals, all of that. But I'm doing all of the planning. I'm doing everything, um, okay. in terms of the budget. Okay. So you're handling a lot of that. And you mentioned that he has those moments where he kind of feels like, oh, this, this is not what I want to do right now. Mm-hmm. So how do you make budgeting feel less restricting and more empowering in those moments? We just talk about our goals and our dreams and what, what do we want to do? And I'd like to have a goal that I'm personally working on. I like to have a goal that he's personally working on and a goal that we're having together. So that way I can dream, he can dream, and then we can have our goals together. Like right now, his the goal that we're working on for him is a Tesla. He really wants a Tesla. And so last year we bought my dream car and catch, which was a Jeep. So we bought my Jeep in cash, and now we're saving for his next car. And that's going to be a couple of years down the road, but he's able to, you know, be like, all right, that's going to the Tesla fund. And all right, we can sacrifice eating out because it'll go to the Tesla fund or because we're going to house or say he wants something for the house that's big or whatever, whatever it is. And I can kind of leverage that. Of If you sacrifice <laughs> now, then that's one last month that you have to wait for the Tesla or whatever it may be. Yeah, no, that's great. I love that. That's that's kind of my mindset as I'm going through. Like And like I had this mindset shift like a while ago where I, I don't even really view it as a sacrifice anymore. Mm-hmm. Like it's gotten to the point where it's like I used to feel like, all right, I'm sacrificing this so I can get to that. But now it's like it's just become such a part of my DNA that it's yeah. like I'm not even sacrificing that anymore. It's just I'm going towards this. And, it, yeah. and I've completely removed that from myself. And it takes time to get to that point. I mean, we've been on the journey almost six years now. So mm-hmm. it's like it, it definitely takes time to get to that point. But that's awesome that you brought that up. So another thing I wanted to touch on is, you know, a lot of financial pros, when we're talking about investing and saving for retirement, mm-hmm. you know, they say save 15%, 10%, 20%, somewhere around that. You guys have ramped that up and you're in like, you're saving like 50% of your income. Uh So where did that desire to live on half your income come from? Um, We've wanted to retire early, even before we started dating. Like it was always like our own personal goals. I was, I used to be involved in, involved in a few MLMs and they're really big on retiring early. So that kind of mindset was just instilled at me since I was 18 and then um, for Jamie, his parents, they wanted to retire early as well. And they're retiring in their 
early 60s. Um, so maybe five, five to seven years more than typical American. Um, but they wanted to retire when Jamie graduated high school. And they were going to be in their 40s. And um, then the, the market crashed back in 08, 09. And so that kind of derailed everything for, for their retirement goals. But we've always had that instilled in us. And now with what's going on in the economy, like, you know, the fact that we have our emergency fund, the fact that we have all like, it just makes it even more of a, yeah, we're making the right decision to have this. And even if it, you know, now we have to retire later on than we had wanted to, we're still secure financially. Let's, let's establish kind of what's gone on so far in the few minutes that we've talked, right? In the beginning, you were car repossessed, utilities shut off. Mm-hmm. spending everything, no clue what's going in, no clue what's going out, yep. nothing. You get on a budget. Now you're to the point where you're living on 50% of your income. So what kind of practical things did you have to do to go from that early stage to where you are now? I think one of the biggest things is I cut out the victim mentality. And so many people have that victim mentality. And I had it for years to myself, I'll be honest. but I really had to, you know, put my big girl pants on and say, yeah, my income sucks. Okay, what am I going to do? How am I going to change that? How am I going to grow my income? What job moves do I have to take? I only have my associate's degree in massage therapy, which I'm not using. Like education, let's throw that out the door. Like I can, you know, you can grow your income to good levels without degrees. It's just about having that mindset and having that entrepreneur spirit of I'm going to fight, I'm going to do whatever I can to get ahead and to just to throw that when you always have that victim mentality, you're never going to get ahead. You're never going to get out of the same rut that you've been in, the same rut that your family's been in, and you're never going to have that generational wealth. You're never going to be able to get past that from generation to generation. Okay. So I know one of the things you just kind of touched on there was income. I want to talk about that. And so what has been your income range from the beginning of the journey to, to current day? Um, beginning of the journey when it was just me, it was about thirty three, thirty five thousand dollars $35,000 a year. Now with us combined, we range between we're anywhere between 120 to 150. Um, we just both took some very large paychecks pay cuts because of what's going on with the world events right now. But between that, between both of our day jobs and then side hustle as well. So, and then what are some things that you've done to, to raise your income? I know you said, I mean, you have a, an associate's degree that you're not using. So mm-hmm. what have you done over those years to, to get to this point where you are now? Um, just career change. And, you know, every time that I change career. It's I'm making sure. Well, there was one time where I, I was on staff for a church. And when I took that job, I took a pay cut to, to go into ministry for a short period of time. But other than that, every time I change jobs, I make sure that I'm making more and, you know, making sure that it's a, a step up. And, you know, Jamie with him and his career, he has just blown it out of the water. He has his, just his associate's degree as well. And he's making amazing money and he's, passing other people in his fields that have been in the field for 20 years because he has that spirit of learning more and he'll be up until two o'clock in the morning researching and doing doing whatever it takes to learn the new skill to set him apart so that he gets put on new jobs and more you know more skills and so that he's seen apart from his coworkers 
And it's really paid off in his raises and his bonuses and, and all of that. And then we also have, you know, my YouTube channel and everything, which brings in a, a nice side hustle as well. Gotcha. So that's a lesson for you listeners out there. You know, one of the things I always say is just make sure you're doing your best work at work, right? Applying yourself, um, putting yourself in a good position to be noticed in your field. I know that my last career change, the biggest income jump I've had in my entire career was just because somebody that was in my industry noticed me. I didn't even know that this company existed Mm -hmm. Um, and they reached out and practically doubled my salary. So that's just a testament to just always be putting your best foot forward forward at work and and really be striving to be better at whatever it is that you've chosen to do. So mm-hmm. let's go back into the, the savings portion of this. So you're saving 50% of your income, right? What does that go towards? I mean, investing, sinking, funding, you know, you've kind of touched on a couple of different things, but how does that 50% break down for you guys? It, I don't have the exact numbers, but it breaks down into paying extra towards our mortgage savings, investing, um, you know, putting a lot towards a retirement, building up an emergency fund, all of, all of that. So, you know, when, in talking about your husband and coworkers and, and all those things, I know a lot of people, even when I was coaching, a lot of people would be like, you know, man, I only get one life and I don't really want to spend it saving money. Like I could die tomorrow. Right. So like, how do you balance saving so much of your income with actually enjoying life? Because I'm sure you still have a good life. You still have Mm -hmm. fun. Like you just said, you went on a cruise and like, so how do you balance when you have those goals? um, But also want to enjoy life today. Yeah. I always make sure we have those goals as part of the reason why we're doing it. Like, you know, one of our goals typically is some form of vacation so that we're able to, or something that we're really, really excited about. Like when we were saving for the house, like that was a huge, huge step that we were, you know, going towards to become homeowners. And I'm really big, like people will call me stingy. They'll call me frugal, whatever it may be, or cheap or whatever it is. But I'm really big on, I cut back in a lot of areas so that I can spend my money on things that bring me joy and not to get to Marie Kondo on you, but like, if it's not something that I really enjoy or we really enjoy my husband and I, we're not spending our money on it. Like I don't want to spend our money on just mediocre things, but we can say no so that we can say yes to Alaskan cruises and, you know, other trips to the Caribbean and, and different things like that. So those big vacations that we can do and we can have really fun, extravagant lives as well. So another thing that you touched on was lifestyle inflation. So Mm -hmm. how do you actively fight against that and stay consistent as your income grows? Because I'm sure that's a challenge. I mean, you're doing a great job. You're saving half your income. You get a, you know, a $5,000 raise. You know, how do you fight the urge to spend that versus saying, you know what, we're going to continue to be disciplined even with this increase and continue to put money aside and do those things? It's hard. It's a struggle. You know, even for us, you know, you get a bonus at work, you get something, you're like, all right, let's celebrate and take a trip with it or, you know, go out and spend $200 on dinner or something like that. You know, like you want to celebrate, you want to, but you just have to fight that. And as much as I talk about goals, like I don't want to sound like I'm beating a dead horse, but that is, you know, really what it's all about. And I'm also like, I'm such a numbers nerd in such an Excel nerd, I'm like, I can increase my savings rate by, by a half a percent or whatever it is. Like, 
like that to me, like just gets me so motivated or hitting another like milestone in our net worth. Like, oh, we just hit another 50K or another 100K in our network. Like, all right, if we just do this, we can hit that goal. Like that to me is so motivating. Okay. As nerdy as it sounds. No, I <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I'm the same person. I'm laughing because I didn't want to admit it, but I'm like this. <laughs> I I track our net worth like all the time. Yeah, like, every I'm month the at the end of the that, month, I do our net worth. Yep, yep, I'm the same way. <laughs> it sucks doing it now with everything oh, going down, but yeah, yeah, I I'm with you there. It'll so, be coming back. <laughs> oh yeah, it, it it's definitely gonna rebound. So let me ask you this question. I mean, do you need? Do you feel like that? you need to have a, you know, mid to high six figure income to, to save a lot of money. No. Mm -mm. Okay. So let's say there's somebody listening right now that, that, you know, maybe they're making, maybe they make an average income, um, Mm -hmm. but they struggle to save money. What are some things that they can do to get on the path to becoming a better saver? Let me look at your budget. That's that's step number one is, you know, where are you spending your money? And I've heard, you know, a lot of people, I think it was, I want to say Zig Ziglar, but maybe John Wexel. Someone was saying that, you know, let me see you where, where you're spending your money and I'll show you where your heart is. And that's so true of like, where are you investing your money? Where are you putting your money? What do you, you know, are you spending your money all on food? Are you spending your money all on clothing? Where's, where can you cut back? What are you, what are you spending on? And most likely there's, there's room for you to cut, but then even when there's not room for you to cut, okay, how can you grow your income? Yeah. You may be making middle salary at your day job, but there's side hustles, there's businesses that you can start. There's always something that you can do to grow your, grow your income. So having that entrepreneur spirit is so important when you are strapped in it. And then I've noticed for myself, when I'm making more money, it makes me want to cut back my spending even more. Like it gives you that drive when you're winning at one thing, you're going to win at the other thing as well. One of the things that you touched on was, was early retirement. Can you Mm -hmm. talk about that goal that you guys have? Um, Like, you know, just go into a little more detail about that. Yeah, we, you know, we have been on numerous, numerous mission trips together as a couple. Jamie did it before him and, you know, we'll take family mission trips as well. So that's a huge thing that we want to do is be able to have the freedom where if we want to go to Haiti and, you know, help in Haiti and we have connections over there, then we can just go to Haiti like it's nothing, you know, and just go and do it. And we want to be able to serve more. We want to be able to, to give more and to pour into people's hearts, like with everything that's going on, you know, if, I wish that we could just write bigger checks to organizations and healthcare workers or, you know, buy groceries for everyone that, that needs them type of thing. And so we have a heart to do that. I think so many people think that retiring early is just sitting on the beaches. And yes, we live in South Florida and a couple of miles from the beach. And I love the beach and I love sitting on the beach. But to me, that's not retirement. To my, me, retirement is doing, you know, what you're passionate about even more and having the ability to do that and not be tied down to a day job. If you still want to work your day job, even though you're, you know, retired financially, okay. But you know, at the end of the day, you don't have to. And that's where that freedom comes in is the the requirement to. 
Okay. So let's talk about how you prioritize your investing strategy in order to to reach that goal of early retirement. I mean, do you have kind of a, a set system that you're following for that? Um, and if so, can you explain, you know, what you're doing to actively get to that early retirement phase? I'll be honest, reti- or investing is something that is still pretty new to us. And I'm still learning and about investing and growing our knowledge of investing all the time and doing tons of research. So right now we're just kind of doing bare basics of, you know, maxing out our IRAs, maxing out our 401k matches, uh, you know, investing in ETFs and index funds and in just the, in some like sing, some basic single stocks as well, but that's more of just fun play money. Yep. Um, but we're right now, we're just kind of doing that, the basic as we're learning. And then as our knowledge about investing grows, then we're going to start maxing out even more and, you know, really doing some more strategic stuff. I love that. You know what? For me, basic is best. I mean, that's yeah. what we've been doing since we became debt free in 2016. We max yeah. out 401k, max out IRAs, yeah. and it's worked. Like, <laughs> there's, there's no need to reinvent the wheel. Just keep yeah. doing what works. So, that's awesome that, you know, you guys have adopted that as your strategy as mm-hmm. well. So, so I know that you've mentioned some of the things that you guys are working towards. Can you talk about just some of the wins that you guys have had? with money and the things that that money has allowed you to do um, as a result of achieving those wins. Mm-hmm. We cash flowed our wedding. We cash flowed, you know, my dream car, like I said, paid off student loans, um, bought this house, which was a huge dream of ours to, to do. And um, an Alaskan cruise, that was a big one. You know, we've done, gone on a few debt-free vacations and cruises, but the Alaskan one was by far the most expensive. <laughs> um, cause it is Florida to Alaska, the exact polar opposite of each other. Yeah. Um, but we've done a lot of, a lot of really fun things and we've, I don't want to sound braggy, but we've been able to give a lot. We've been able to, you know, support a lot of missionaries. We've, you know, supported a lot of people in the local church. We've supported people going through IVF treatments. We've done, you know, a lot of just miscellaneous giving, which, to me, like that's what's most fun is being able to do that. Yeah. So, and you know what? That's one of my um, priorities. We have three priorities with our money, three things that we try to aim for. Number one, we try to honor God. Mm-hmm. Second, we prioritize family. Third, we serve other people. Yeah. And so, it, you know, with two of those things, honoring God and serving other people, sometimes those clash and it's like yep. two you know, it's like a honor God and a serve somebody else. And it's like, yep, we're doing that. We're giving to that. So that's mm-hmm. awesome. And and I agree with you. That's one of the most fulfilling things. But I did notice one thing you said in there was you pay cash for a wedding. Yeah. And that's not something you hear very often. So I definitely want to <laughs> ask you a little bit about that process. I mean, how did you go about paying cash for a wedding? We just said it in stone. We were like, this is what, this is what we're doing. And we, you know, hustled. Like I was babysitting um, every single weekend and I would be babysitting from Friday after work until typically all day Saturday, sometimes all day Sunday, like 14 hour days babysitting. And they were for, it was for a company that, or family that they owned a DJ company and a wedding planning. So his husband was DJ, wife was wedding planner. 
And so I would watch their daughter. And then Jamie, my husband, would run lights for the wedding or the bar mitzvah or whatever it was. So he was working for them on the other end, running the actual show. And then I was taking care of their daughter. So we would bring in five, $600 between the two of us, you know, a weekend saving for that. Um, that would be on a, on a good weekend. And then when I live in South Florida, so with those weddings that my husband was working, they were like hundred thousand dollar minimum weddings. And I was like, no, 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 we cannot. No, but that's where his like expectations, his bougie lifestyle was. And we used to call him a groomzilla. And so it was, it was interesting of having to, to do it. And then I went to the wife who's our wedding planner and I said, okay, our, you know, our budget's, you know, probably about $15,000 and this and that. And she started laughing at me and she's like, do you want it in the backyard? And I was like, no, <laughs> like at a venue and this and that. And then she started laughing at me. And so we ended up doubling the budget. So it was $30,000 and we were about $500 under budget. So we spent about $29,500 and um, had a beautiful wedding on the intercoastal right on the water. We actually got married in the same church as his parents did. So that was really cool to have like that same stained glass background and everything. Um, But it was a beautiful 150 person wedding. In South Florida for thirty thousand. Wow. Okay. So you went from you doubled your budget on your mm-hmm. wedding. Did that push your timeline back any, or were you guys able to nope, have kind of the that same was timeline? just we got to buckle down. We're hustling <laughs> like we are. Who? Because and we like I made it in my head like we are not going to go into debt for this. Like hundred percent, we are paying cash. If we cannot pay cash, we're cutting stuff. And stuff did get cut from the budget. You know, there was stuff that would have pushed it over the 30 grand that did get cut. But we had our like bare minimums. This needs to be done. Like one of Jamie's bare minimums was like, we will have an open bar. And I don't drink, but he was like, I do not want to have a wedding that's not open bar. And I was like, okay, whatever. (laughs) And then I was like, this is something that I need to have. Like this is, we had our must haves. But other than that, if it was outside the budget, it got cut. And as, you know, after our budget had gotten doubled to 30,000, I was like, all right, we got to hustle more. We got to do more. What else can we do? How can we make money? And I think also when you're in that mindset of I got to do what I got to do to make money, jobs will come to you. You know, when you have that open heart of whatever happens, you know, people come to you and be like, hey, can I pay you 20, 50 bucks to do this for me? Or can you help me with this? And absolutely, you know, like, when you're ready and open and putting yourself out there, things like that will come. They may not be the easy jobs. They may not be the ones that you want to do. You want to sit on the couch and watch Netflix. But like, if you're putting yourself out there, I, I truly believe that they're going to come to you. Awesome. Awesome. So can you share now, now that you guys have accomplished all this, right? You've got a, um, you've paid for your wedding cash. You bought your dream car. You bought your house. Mm-hmm. And that's just, that's a lot. Like that's, that's incredible. So <laughs> it's a what, crazy three years of marriage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so what are you working towards now? Because I mean, that feels like I mean, for a lot of people, that's like the pinnacle, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like, so outside of the early retirement, obviously, but you know, what are you working towards now? Um, we really want to, you know, financially set ourselves up for kids and have kids the next year or so. 
Um, I want to have 10. Jamie wants to have two. So we will probably compromise <laughs> and have two because I'm sure he's going to win that one. Um, so we want to, you know, financially set ourselves up for kids and, you know, potentially me staying home with the kids. Um, who knows what's going to happen with that. Um, and then also, you know, setting the kids up, you know, financially as well and starting their, you know, retirement accounts and their college funds and different things like that. Buying the Tesla for Jamie. Um, you know, there's house repairs that we want to do, upgrades that we want to do, like a pool and different things like that, which a pool is like 60 grand here, which is just crazy. But, you know, so different things that we want to do next 10 years. Gotcha. Okay. So one thing you said there was financially prepare yourselves for kids. Mm -hmm. what, what does that look like? I think for us, it's, you know, having, we have a good emergency fund, but I want to have like a rock solid, you know, emergency fund. What if, you know, something happens, you know, medically or something happens with, you know, one of our jobs or whatever it is. And, you know, just the freedom that if one of us needs to walk away from our jobs, we can do that. Um, you know, who knows what's going to happen with, you know, a, kid, a child. I don't want to think for the worst, but, you know, I have friends that have had kids and they have Down syndrome. So then, you know, they have to take care of, you know, it takes on a lot of financial burden or whatever it may be. So you never know what God's going to throw at you. But so we just want to be, be prepared. Awesome. Awesome. Great answer, by the way. So I want to ask you one more question, and that is, you know, let's say there's a, a couple out there that's listening to this and they're polar opposites. One mm -hmm. is like, hey, you know what? I want to do this. This sounds great. And the other one's like, man, that sounds like a lot of work, a lot of sacrifice. Count me out. So what can that couple start doing to get on the same page and start crushing some money goals together? Sounds like they need to come over for dinner because that is us <laughs> in a nutshell. <laughs> I would say just, you know, you both have to sacrifice, you know, as a couple, when you got married, you know, you knew that that was going to be part of it was sacrifice. There's things that you want to do or things that he doesn't want to do, whatever it may be. And that's just part of marriage. And, you know, that's something that we've struggled with. And that's, you know, that's still a struggle for us. Um, when we first got married and we're going through premarital counseling, the topic of finances came up and I was like, we don't need to talk about that. We're debt free. We're cash flow in the wedding. Like we don't need to talk about this. And we just grazed over it. And I wish we had dug in because we didn't talk about like, okay, well, what about money from your families? Like, how did that, how did your family growing up handle money? Cause for us, it was night and day difference. And we fought about money so much in the beginning of our marriage. Anytime money was brought up in the littlest thing, it turned into a big fight. And it was a really big struggle for us. And it's, it's gotten a lot better now. We don't fight nearly as much about money. But, you know, it is a struggle. And there are things that you're going to have to compromise on. You know, and even me as the saver, I've had to compromise a ton. And I've had to loosen up the reins and bite my tongue and said, okay, you know, you can go out to dinner there. And you can do this. Like Jamie, him and his, one of his friends, they go out to get dinner every Wednesday night at a local bar and it's $25 every single time. You know, I'm like, well, why can't you go to like Chick-fil-A where it's like $7? <laughs> like, do you, gotta, do you gotta spend that much? But it's like, you know, it's something that he really enjoys. It's something that he's able to have that time with his friend. And I need to 
cut somewhere else in the budget or factor it into the budget. Like I got to loosen up my reins as well. So it was definitely a two-way street. And I think also not to like make it braggy, but kind of let the other person know where you're sacrificing. So they see it like, oh, okay. So I think it's good to talk about it. Like, hey, babe, I'm, you know, I wish that you wouldn't do this, but I'm allowing it. Like I'm working this into the budget. So I'm making a sacrifice here. Can you make a sacrifice here? And just have that communication because they may not see it as a sacrifice, but when they hear from you that it is, they're like, oh, okay, she she is sacrificing for me. She is working on this as well. I can put in my two cents as well, or I can cut this as well. Perfect. Perfect. That sounds great. Well, hey, Kelly, thank you so much. You've been fantastic. I've appreciated and enjoyed talking to you over the last few minutes. So, Ken, I want to give you this opportunity uh, for you to share where people who are listening can find you if they want to follow along with your journey. And if there's anything you have to offer, feel free to share that as well. Absolutely. My main main platform is YouTube, Freedom in a Budget on YouTube. I also have a blog, freedominabudget.com. Instagram, that's my main social media that you can find me. DM me, send me a message, and follow me there. Awesome. Well, hey, all you teammates out there listening, be sure to head over to winningtowealth.com slash episode 35, where I have linked to all the ways you can connect with Kelly, uh, Instagram, her blog, YouTube, all of that. But hey, Kelly, thanks again for coming on and joining me this week and sharing your journey. I really do appreciate it. Now it's time for this week's win of the week. Kelly increased her household income from the 30K range to being well over six figures. Now, I do want to be fair and remind everybody that Kelly did get married, so that obviously helped. However, increasing your income can go a long way towards helping you on your wealth building journey. And the reason I say that is because you can only cut spending so far, right? But there's no limit to how much you can earn. And so Kelly and her husband increased their income with side hustles and by just taking their job seriously, which led to more raises, bonuses, and things like that. And the reason that part of the interview resonated with me is because I have done the same thing. So I started my sales career in 2011 as a door-to-door commission-only sales rep. I didn't even make like $25,000 that first year. It was awful, right? But eight years later, I was making over 100K and I was one step removed from the VP of sales and my employer, you know, before Rona happened and everything like that. And although I'm not working there anymore, I do still have those same fundamental marketable skills and I can use those to secure another six-figure salary should I choose to in the future. So if you're looking at your spending plan, realizing you don't make enough money, that is okay. You now have a starting place and you know what you need to do, which is find a way to increase your income that works for you and your family. Now, I did do an entire side hustle series, which took place from episodes 24 through episodes 28, where I talked to side hustlers that are making thousands of dollars every month and one even built a million dollar business. And they're doing this completely online. So you can check those out if you haven't heard them. They're episodes 24 through 28. And I'll be sure to link to those in the show notes as well, which you can find at winningtowealth.com slash episode 35. Also, if you realize, hey, you know what? My income's great. 
uh, I just don't really know what I'm doing with this whole money thing. You can head over to winningtowealth.com slash playbook and download my free book. And in this book, I walk you through some simple steps you can take to start improving your finances today. But that's all the time I have for this week. So until we talk again, keep racking up those wins one at a time. Take care. You've wrapped up another episode of the Winning to Wealth podcast. To learn more about how you can start making winning money decisions, head over to winningtowealth.com. 